Hello and welcome to Box Office Receipts. I am your host, Tyler Callahan, and we got some news around Hollywood to talk about. First up is In the Pipeline. We got a few movies being worked on in Hollywood, with one of them being the sequel to Sonic the Hedgehog. Variety is reporting that Paramount has given it the green light with Jeff Fallow directing and Josh Miller and Pat Cassie writing the screenplay. Not much else is confirmed past that, including what part of the cast would be coming back, and a release date or window. This was a no-brainer move for Paramount, and they have been suffering the past few years at the box office, and they may have just found their new franchise. Even though it got hit a bit by the pandemic worldwide, it still made $306 million worldwide, and since everything shut down, it's the second highest grossing movie this year. Plus, it is doing really well on digital, so the sooner they get to work on the sequel, the better. If their Snake Eyes movies does well, they could potentially have three action-slash-family franchises with Sonic, G.I. Joe, and Transformers again, thanks to Bumblebee. Universal is working on their next monster movie, which looks to be a retelling of Wolfman starring Ryan Gosling. The only issue they have now is picking a director for the job. Variety is reporting that the studio has been meeting with directors over the past two months, and one of the names being mentioned is Corey Finley, who recently directed Bad Education. The movie, which was developed from a pitch by Gosling himself, with a script written by Rebecca Angelo and Lauren Shucker-Blom, says to be in the vein of Nightcrawler, which makes me ten times more excited. I think this is the best move for Universal. While I would not have minded them trying the Dark Universe one more time and trying to build off the mummy, you know, especially since they had a lot of people lined up for the characters, the alternate way of doing this is pretty good, which is take a monster, put them in a modern day and on a lower budget. Having these more filmmaker-driven films so far is a solid one out of one, with The Invisible Man getting good reviews and made $122 million worldwide off a $7 million budget. Personally, I think Ryan Gosling is one of the best actors in Hollywood right now, and if he can pull off what Jake Gyllenhaal did in Nightcrawler, then we are in for a fucking ride. Netflix has finalized the purchase of the famous Egyptian theater for an undisclosed price. Netflix has said that they will be paying for renovations that the theater needs, and that during the weekday they would use the theater for special events and screenings, and the American CinemaCheck will continue their programming during the weekend. That's nice to see if anyone was worried that Netflix would make an exclusive theater for their content. That does not seem to be the case. And in fact, the theater is getting more some maintenance that it very much needs. For Netflix, they can use this to have red carpet premieres for their movies and possibly hold events for the public, so a solid move all around. I do wonder how much it actually costs to buy buy them. Moving over to the other side of Hollywood, it looks like Superman might be back. There were some rumors over the past few weeks that Henry Cavill may have been in talks to return to play Superman again, and those picked up steam last week with Deadline exclusively reporting that talks are happening. Along with that, some more details is that this would be for multiple supporting roles, not a sequel to Man of Steel. So instead of Man of Steel 2, Henry Cavill would be back for Shazam 2, or possibly even a Justice League 2, for example. But that is all they are saying on the matter. Now, I think there is a reason these talks are happening now, but I'll get into the Snyder Cut in a few minutes on the topic itself. I think this is great. We don't know the reason why he was not Superman in the first place, but I always thought that was a mistake. He so far has been a great Superman, and for people who wanted to see him more upbeat and happy Superman, got to see some of that at the end of Justice League, and it sucked to hear that shortly after he was gone. So, to have him back in some capacity... At least I think this is a step forward for the DCEU, and I'm happy to see it, if it comes to pass. Now, if they can turn that into a Man of Steel 2 with Brainiac, please. Going over to theaters reopening, 
South Korea is using some interesting tech to make sure safety precautions are being enforced. The largest theater chain there, CGV, has started to use SmartPass. SmartPass uses cameras to check people where they come in, if they're wearing a mask, and if so, wearing it properly. This along with temperature checks are some of the steps that these theaters are using to show safety. I also believe that with those theaters reopening, we should be seeing some numbers. If there's anything good, I'll talk about them in the next episode. I just wanted to bring up this story to show what theaters around the world are doing. I'd hope AMC and Regal here would buy this and use this, but they won't. I hope they would consider it because it could help PR-wise that people can feel more comfortable going back to the theaters. Going worldwide, Cinema World has said they are planning to open all of their theaters throughout July. This is important because it's the second largest movie theater company worldwide, which includes Cineworld in the UK and Regal in America. They've also said that they look forward to showing new movies, including Tenant and Mulan, and that procedures are in place for a safe experience for customers and employees, though they did not elaborate on what that would be. I found this interesting because Regal in America has been particularly quiet compared to AMC and Cinemark, so to see some kind of update is good to see. But this also seems to point that Regal will not do a test run of showing old movies for a few weeks and just go straight into showing Tenant on every screen until more and more movies come out. Wrapping this back to America, it does seem that one market Hollywood will not have access to at the start is San Francisco. The Bay Area is looking to reopen theaters in Phase 3 of their reopening, which at this current time would seem to be around mid-August. Again, assuming nothing happens to delay that. This does not seem to be a big deal for Hollywood, as we talked about last week. The key markets that need to open for Tenant is LA and New York, and then the rest of America. So while San Francisco not opening at the time may not matter much by itself, it does not look good for LA, as so far San Francisco was able to shut everything down quickly and is now part of a slower reopening. But this will change on a daily basis, so who knows what happens. So before the world went into shutdown, Sundance actually did happen as normal this year, and one of the movies that were bought was Palm Springs. This is not a normal purchase, as it was bought for $22 million, making it the biggest purchase at the festival of all time. Hulu and Neon co-bought the comedy from Lonely Island. It seemed it was planned for a theatrical release sometime this year, but those plans have changed and they have now announced the movie will come to Hulu on July 10th. I look forward to seeing it as they clearly saw something here that made it worth the high price. This beats out The Birth of the Nation a few years ago, which was bought for around $17 million, so a huge bump up. I also think if things go back to normal enough that Sundance happens next year, I expect more deals to be made like this from services like Apple TV+, Hulu, and Netflix. With production being shut down for so long, they will need content as soon as possible, so look for them to buy movies that are already done. Speaking of Apple TV+, Apple has been making some moves, goddamn. Last week they bought Greyhound, and now they're going into business with Paramount and Martin Scorsese. So what's happening is Martin Scorsese's latest movie. Flower of the Killer Moon was looking at a $200 million budget. Don't know why, but that's what it is. Paramount seemed to be a bit gun-shy about paying that, and understandably so. So it was reported a while back that they were looking to see if they could team up with another studio to produce the movie. Turns out the studio is Apple TV. Based on the Hollywood Studio article that talked about this in detail, and I'll link this in the show notes as it's a great read, basically the movie is now an Apple TV Plus movie, with Apple paying the full $200 million budget. So while Apple will be Producing it, it's not going straight to streaming. Paramount will be in charge of distributing and marketing the movie worldwide, and will get a distributor's fee for their trouble. While the studios did not say what the exact details of distribution are, 
it seems to be a regular theatrical release and then released on the streaming service. I told you last week to not be surprised to see Apple waving their cash around and it did not take long to do so. In two weeks they have now spent $270 million for two movies. I think this also shows that Apple is getting serious about getting the service started. See for Netflix the movies need to be on streaming as soon as possible. But with Apple the service is a side piece that is growing. This allows them to be okay with the movie going to theaters and then eventually put it on the service. This is also good for them because it shows the theaters and other studios they are willing to work with them and play by their rules. But don't be surprised now if other studios come to Apple willing to make a deal. And look, it's a Scorsese movie starring Leonardo DiCaprio and Robert De Niro. Just that alone, Apple now has bragging rights of having an original movie starring A-listers on a streaming service and, with it getting a theatrical run, looks set to collect an Oscar or two. This situation is a win-win-win for everyone. Now, that was going to be the biggest news of the week with how much it means going forward, but then the Snyder Cut happened. <laughs> now, I actually do have a video on my YouTube channel going over my thoughts about this, which I will also link in the show notes, but the rundown of it is during a Q&A for Man of Steel, Zack Snyder had Henry Cavill join in along with some fans that were invited, and at the end, uh, they announced Zack Snyder's Justice League coming to HBO Max in 2021. Afterwards, Snyder did an interview going over how it came about, what to expect, which apparently is a lot we don't know yet. He said he filmed about four hours of footage before he left the film, and reports are now that it will either be a four-hour movie or four to six episodes as a miniseries. It will also not be that cheap to produce, with it costing around $30 million to do the CGI properly for all the scenes and re-edit the movie. So quick thoughts, I love that's happening. It's the right move to begin with. Snyder's vision, vision shouldn't have been seen from the start, but it is what it is. This is also a smart move for Warner Media and AT&T, which, like other services, need content fast, and what better way to do that than offer a fresh cut of a movie most people do not like. However, while this is great, I do not see the long-term goal of it. Like, unless this generates gangbuster numbers and subscribers, it's not like just Snyder's Justice League 2 will happen. What I will think realistically will happen is that this does lay the groundwork for a Justice League 2 with a different director, and that is why Warner Brothers is in talks to bring Henry Cavill back. If they do that, the only one missing is Ben Affleck as Batman, and they could add Shazam and Martian Manhunter as replacements, so you would still have a full team. This way, while Snyder does not complete the other two Justice League movies, he gets to see his vision of the first one done. Warner Brothers gets most of the team back together, and gets someone fresh to handle it going forward. Who could that be? I have no idea. I would assume a known director, but nothing comes to mind. Now this is hyped people up. Even David Ayer is asking for an Ayer cut of Suicide Squad, which I would also like to see, as that should include more of Jared Leto's Joker. Yes, yes, most people did not like his portrayal of him, however, a lot of his scenes were cut, and I want to see, see it to give it a fair judge of his performance. Anyway, that'll be it for this week's episode of Box Office Receipts. Let me know what your thoughts are on the stories on Facebook. Link to the pages in the show notes. Thanks for listening. See you next week.